going to deal with Smyrna tonight. The second dealt with Ephesus last uh, Sunday evening and deal with the second church. There's seven churches in Asia. And I've told you that Asia is what is known as Turkey now. And this particular congregation, this particular church, was in a place that's called, now it's called Izmar in Turkey. It's on the Aegean Sea. And this church in Smyrna was probably, Paul was a person that probably founded it, established this church when he was on one of his missionary journeys, is what they say, you know, when you read and study on it. But also know this, let me read these scriptures then, and then we'll look at it. Verse 8, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know your works, your tribulation, poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which shalt thou suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. And be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. This is one of those churches where the Lord Jesus, this in Philadelphia, is the two churches that he found no fault in whatsoever. Nothing wrong with them. Nothing wrong with them. There was an old man named Polycarp. And I've read several things about him. He was at this particular time pastor of the church here in Smyrna at this particular time when this was written. And he was, he said under John the Apostle, the man who wrote the Revelation, He said under the Apostle John's ministry. He's converted under John's ministry. And he was 86 years old. And I read about his martyrdom. He was 86 years old. And they brought him before the tribunal. And they said, if you'll deny Jesus Christ, said, we'll let you live. He said, he never denied me when he bore my sins. He's never denied me in all the years that I've been a Christian, been a believer. He's never failed me. And I will, if he didn't deny me, I will not deny him. And they took his life and he is 86 years old. You can look it up yourself. Killed him, martyred him, 86 years old. It take a cruel, cruel person to slay a man when he's 86 years old for his faith in Christ, wouldn't it? It'd take a cruel man. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of cruel people in this world and Satan has always set his rage, his hatred and his enmity for the church and for the Lord Jesus Christ's people, but he uses people to carry out his will and do what he wants done. And the conditions at this particular time in history 
when the first two centuries after our Lord ascended back to glory, the church, the, the, the saints of God were under great, great persecution. They run them all out of Jerusalem. Then they run them, they went to Rome and they run them all out of Rome. And there was, they, they made sport. There was sport to, to persecute and kill and slay Christians. And Paul the Apostle was one who did that very thing until God saved him. And he tried, Satan tried, raised and tried to destroy the testimony of Christ. You read through the book of Acts and look at all the things they done to the, they killed James. Herod had James killed. And he would have killed Simon Peter, but the Lord came and got him out of prison. They imprisoned Paul for years and let him go and he had his head cut off in Rome. So I mean the Satan raged, raged at the church and tried his best to wipe it out. And they talked about the people of this way. And I tell you what, and he's still, he's still against the church. And if he can't destroy it by pain, by causing pain, or by persecution, you know what he'll do? He's wily. He's wily. He'll, he'll destroy a church by pleasure. He'll make people enjoy pleasure so much. Be pleased. That's what the preachers that all they're interested in is pleasing men. They assert they're, they're, they're an instrument of the devil. If you get up to entertain people, and Henry said so many times, preachers are entertaining people on the road to hell. But I tell you what, if he won't, he'll try pleasure, then he'll try pride. Make you proud of who you are. Make you proud of the church. Make you proud of everything that you've accomplished. And then he'll make you, he'll have fullness of bread. So you'll sit back. And like yeah, we ate a big meal yesterday. A woman says, time to go home and take a nap, ain't it? And that's what he says. Fullness of bread. Pride and pleasure. If he can't get you one way, he'll try to get you another. And I tell you what. But he wrote this letter. Our Lord Jesus sent this letter. To, to Smyrna. And look what it says here. And the angels, the preacher, those that are there, he said, this particular time is Polycarp. And look at what our Lord says about himself. He said, I'm the first and the last. As always first. Always been first. I was first in, I was first in eternity with my father. And I'll be the last one. And I've always been. Never has been a time when I've not been. And he said, I was dead. Yes, I was dead. Now I'm alive. <laughs> I'm alive. I'm alive. Yet dead, but yet liveth. That's one of the mysteries to me of the Godhead. How that, you know, when you find in John chapter 3, it says this. Our Lord Jesus Christ, while He was on this earth, He said, I'm with my Father in heaven. And He's standing there talking to people. He was on earth and He is in heaven at the same time. 
<laughs> That's what makes him so precious. That's what makes him so glorious. That's what makes us worship him. Because about the time you think you understand a little about him, you dive in, you dive in the deep end and you can't come up unless he brings you up. <laughs> but oh my, he the one who was alive, even while he was dead, the everlasting one, the ever living one, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the one who conquered death. I said this morning, he come out of the grave and he left death dead at his feet. And he's able to say and tell these people, you be faithful unto death. You be faithful unto death. And I'll give you, I'll give you. I'll be the one to give it to you. I'm going to send somebody else to give it to you. I'll give you a crown of life. I'll put a wreath on your head, which is a crown of life. Now look what he says about them. He said, I know your works. And listen to what else he says. Your tribulation and your poverty. I know your tribulation. And you know these people were extremely, extremely poor. I know your poverty. These people, because they were believers, they weren't allowed to work. They weren't even allowed. To, they had to. They had to, to, to meet in caves and whatever else, any place they could find. And they had extreme poverty. They had no way to make any money. No, had no way. It's against the law to hire one of them. And I tell you what, and you said here, these people lost their jobs when they were converted. Lost all hope that they had of ever working again when they were converted. And people back in those days were usually very poor anyway. But when you profess Christianity, that meant greater poverty and greater tribulation. And I'll tell you, that's a, we, we absolutely know nothing about suffering what some people has over the years. They, they were unusually poor. Paul took up, he said over in the book of Acts, they took up a great big offering for all the poor saints, all the poor saints that were ever in Jerusalem. They were so poor that people had to send money to take care of. That's how poor they was. And i tell you what, they suffered hunger, they suffered imprisonment, they even suffered death. There was a Roman emperor named Domitian, what he did is he built himself a great big temple. And he built it over there where they all could see it in Turkey. And he said, listen, set up an image of himself. And he had to burn candles there. And you had to come and worship there. Just like Daniel with Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar built that great big 70 foot statue. Told if you don't bow down and worship this statue, you're going in the fire furnace or in the lion's, lion's den. And that's what they told these people. You either bow down and worship the emperor or you're going to die. And then they would watch for people to go by there. This was serious business. I'm telling you what, very serious business. And these people, he said, I know your tribulation. I know what you're going through. I know the pain you're going through. I know the trials you're going through. I know the heartache you're going through. To get up in the morning and not know where your meal's coming from that day. Get up in the morning and go out here and start begging. Get up and you don't know if they're going to catch you and capture you and put you in prison and cut your head off. You don't know. They got up every day facing things like that. 
But our Lord says, now don't pity yourselves, don't pity yourselves. Look what he said. I know your works and your tribulation and your poverty. But look what he says, but you're rich. <laughs> you're rich. Oh, 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 oh my. What made them rich? They wasn't rich in this world's goods. They weren't that. He said, you're rich. What made them rich? Christ made them rich. Knowing Christ made them rich. They were rich in grace. They were rich in spiritual possessions. Oh, they possessed the grace of God. They possessed faith. They possessed peace of heart and peace of mind. They possessed peace with God. They had spiritual possessions. They had spiritual gifts. Oh my, they possessed the faith, beloved, that would make them able to face death. There was a man named Hugh Latimer. He had to stand before King Henry. King Henry VIII. And he's, you know, they have preachers that would come in. They'd have them come in and preach before the king. Well, they had Hugh Latimer come in. He was a minister to the king. He come in one time and, you know, Henry VIII had how many wives? Six wives, seven wives. I don't know. He had a bunch of them. He'd have one killed. And and that's how the Church of England was established because he couldn't be in the Catholic Church so he had to start his own church because he had so many different wives. But anyway, way to make a long story short, Hugh Latimer stood before him and he preached from where Herod took his brother Philip's wife and John the Baptist said it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife and he preached to the king he said it's not lawful it's not right it's not profitable for you to have a wife so many wives and killing them and doing all he just took him to task I mean preached to him he said Mr. Latimer I'm going to give you a chance I'm going to give you this opportunity to come back next week and I'm going to give you an opportunity to change your message. Well, Mr. Latimer came back the next week, preached the same thing before the king, and he says, Don't you know who you're speaking before? You're speaking before the sovereign king of England. You know what Latimer told him? He said, I'm also standing before the king of kings and the lord of lords. Who's your king? And they took him out and burned him at the stake. <laughs> oh, listen, that'd been the average preacher. He'd have walked up there and said, Oh, King, you're the most wonderful fellow ever was. But oh, I tell you, God's made some people, He's gave some people some faith. And these people had those spiritual possessions. Oh, they possessed repentance. They possessed forgiveness. Forgiveness of all their sin. To deny Christ after He bore all your sin. After He bore all the sin away and forgive you of every sin you've ever committed and the ones you've not committed yet. Forgive us, oh, even all the sin of unbelief that we have. Forgive us all. And that's what these, these people had, these wonderful spiritual possessions. You're rich. Oh, they had the righteousness of Christ. 
They may have been poor and dressed in old rags, but as far as God was concerned, they had on that beautiful shining garment, that white garment. Oh, and they were justified. Oh, the Roman emperors may not have justified them, may have killed them. But they were justified before God Almighty. They were holy before God. They possessed Christ. And that's why they said, and I believe they really believe this with all their heart, that Christ is all in all. Huh? Oh my. You know, our Lord Jesus, they possessed Christ. As this young man come to the Lord Jesus one time, that young man come running to him and said, Good master, called him good man. Why are you calling me good? There ain't nothing good but God. And he said, What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And he was real wealthy. And our Lord said, I tell you, if you want life, if you want life, if you're serious and you want life, you want Christ, you want me, you go sell everything you've got. Sell it all. And then you find poor people. Find people like this right here in their poverty. And you start giving it away. Did he do it? No. No, he didn't do it. Huh? And that's what I, Lord, I tell you what, he... Uh, that rich man fared sumptuously every day fared sumptuously every day and there said old Lazarus he was a beggar he said outside the gate big chariot come out of there and Service opened the gate and let that man come out of there and his great big entourage and he's wealthy, oh my goodness, wealthy beyond measure. Well, he fared sumptuously. Now laid old there said old Lazarus. There said old Lazarus right beside him. Oh, said by the gate. And he was so full of sores. He was full of sores. He had pus running out of his legs. And the dogs would come up there and lick his legs and lick the sores on his body. But one day that rich man died. And the scripture said in hell he lifted up his eyes. And Lazarus died. And he's the one who had the true wealth. And they took him to glory. <laughs> so I tell you what, we, we don't know nothing about poverty. But I do know this. That spiritually, without Christ, we are poor. But with Christ, we are like these people here. We are extremely, exceptionally, absolutely rich beyond degree. You can't measure the wealth that we have in Christ. Huh? And what comfort for these dear saints here when our Lord Jesus Christ told them, I know you. I know your works. I know what tribulation you're going through. I know your poverty. But I know also that you're rich. You are very rich. And then look what he said else. He went on to say that now. 
and the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. When he says they say they, the, the, those that are Jews and say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Now what in the world when he's talking about they say they are Jews and are not? What's he talking about? That these people claim to be Jewish people. And they were Jewish people. Jewish by nationality. Jews by religion. But you know who persecuted our Lord Jesus Christ and who persecuted the early church? Jews. Jews. Paul was a Jew. He said he was a Jew, a Hebrew of Hebrews. And I persecuted the church beyond measure. I was a Pharisee above many my equals. But all oh, they were Jews by nationality, Jews by religion, but they persecuted Christians before the Romans. They vilified, they rejected our Lord Jesus Christ, and they still reject the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care how black their hats are, I don't care how long their coats are, and I don't care how bushy their beards are, and I don't care how many prayer cloths they were in synagogues they go to. They still reject Christ. And there's only one person in this world that can save any soul on top side of God's earth. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself, Jew or Gentile, bond or free, male or female. He's the only one who can do it. Huh? Oh my. When next time you get to talk to a Jew, I'll tell you, if he professes to be a Jew, you ask him, say, let me ask you, say, first thing you need to ask him is, Where's your priest? Every Jew, if he don't worship God, he's got the first thing he's got to do is he's got to have a priest. Then he's got to have a sacrifice. Then he's got to have an altar on which to put that sacrifice on. If he ain't got them three things, he ain't got nothing. Ain't that right? And we got all those things in one person, the Lord Jesus. <laughs> oh my. And they, they considered themselves. And John said here, oh, they said, well, we, got, we go to the synagogue. You know what God said about them? He said, that's the synagogue of the devil. That's the synagogue of Satan himself. Huh? Oh, they considered themselves to be a synagogue of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, when he entered the ministry, he entered into the synagogue in Nazareth, and he stood up that day and read from the scriptures, from that scroll. He stood in a synagogue and did that. Paul always went to the synagogues wherever he went and preached Christ to them, preached the gospel to them, and then people would come out and they'd start a church. That's how churches were established. But oh my, they considered themselves a synagogue of God, but our Lord says here they were the synagogue of gate of Satan, the accuser of the brethren. It was they, Jews, who slew Stephen. They persecuted Saul and Barnabas. They hated Peter and John and called them before the Sanhedrin I don't know how many times. And they certainly hated our Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what a true Jew is? I'm going to show you two places. Look in, look in Romans 2. Look in Romans 2. I want to show you what a true Jew is. They're not, the, they're not the ones in Israel and they're not the ones in New York City. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I'm going to show you who a true Jew is. You're looking at an absolute son of Abraham right now. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ in John 8, I could take you over and show it to you. Well, you know, he, they said, we'd be Abraham's seed, Abraham's children. He said, if you were sons of Abraham, children of Abraham, you'd do what Abraham did. You'd believe me. But you don't believe me. You don't believe me. You don't, you don't understand what I'm talking about. And they said, well, we, you're in bondage. He said, oh, no, we never in bondage to anybody. We're Abraham's children. Our Lord said, oh, no, you know who, you, who, you, who your daddy is? Your father is the devil. And he's a liar. And he's a murderer from the beginning. He said, that's who your daddy is. And you're going to do his works. That's why he looked up square in the eye and said, your daddy is the devil. He looked them Jews in the eye and said, your daddy's the devil. Oh, my. But now look here in verse 28. 2.28. We're talking about a true Jew now. Not these ones that just claim to be Jews. And this is our Lord Jesus. This is, this is the apostle. And Christ taught him the gospel. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, claiming to be one. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. That's not true circumcision either. But I'm going to tell you who a Jew is, which is one inwardly. And circumcision of the heart, God taking that dirt and filth away from the heart, entering into that covenant of grace. And circumcision is that of the heart, and it's by the Spirit, it's not by the law, whose praise is not of men. If you keep the law, men will praise you. But if God does something for you, you end up praising God. Huh? And I'm going to show you another one in Philippians. Look over in Philippians 3 3. I'll show you who a true Jew is. You're looking at a. God said, you know, you'll have seed. And we're here, we're his children. We're the children of Abraham. But here's here's a true Jew, too, over here. Philippians 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous. It's not, it's not difficult for me. I don't think it's a hard thing for me to have to say the same things over and over. But for you, it's safe. It needs to be done. And he says, beware of dogs. More barking dogs. Oh, life, oh, sorry dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Them that are crosses all the T's and dots all their I's. And until you do that, you ain't nothing. But now watch this now. For we are the circumcision. And listen, how do we worship God? We worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. <laughs> and have no confidence in the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> That's there's a bunch of Jews in here tonight. <laughs> I mean the real things. God's took that heart. I never will forget. I, I might have told you this. We was up in Mavscott, West Virginia, and Earl Cochran was pastor up there way back when. Scott was preaching up there. Tim James was preaching up there. And I forget who other else it was. But I remember Tim got up and he preached a message. And I forget. Well, one of the minor prophets. They call him. I don't think there's a minor prophet. That's what they call him. But he said anyway. 
rend your heart and not your garment. Because when the Jews would feel like something had happened that was very dramatic and very heart-wrenching or something, they'd just rip their garment right over their heart. And God said, rend your heart, not your garments. It's your heart where the problem's at. It's your heart where the sin's at. It's your heart that's where I deal with. It's the heart that I speak to. It's the heart that I have to have. It's the heart. My son, give me your heart. And boy, he 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 wailed away on that. I, I it was wonderful. I don't remember everything you said, but I do remember what he preached on there. That was absolutely. And then look what our Savior said. Now that's what I'm telling you, beloved. Next time you go to New York City and you see all them Jews running around and their black hats and their long coats and them curls hanging down under their hats and them big old bushy beards, you look at him and say, well, if you get an opportunity, I'm telling you, you know, it, they, you know they, they may have to go home and wash themselves after they talk to you. <laughs> they have to go home and take a bath, you know, <laughs> cleanse themselves. But anyway, tell them, say, you know, I'm a Jew. I'm a real, genuine Jew. And quote these scriptures to them. And say, you know, what does that make you? If I'm, if I'm the real deal, what does that make you? Just like these folks right here at the synagogue of Satan. They say they're Jews. No, they're really not. They're really not. And our Lord Himself was of the Jewish nation. And then look what He says there in verse 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. And He's telling them, you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. There's no doubt about it. You're going to suffer. But don't you don't you fear none of those things that you're going to suffer. Don't 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 be afraid. Don't don't fear. You're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. And I tell you what. And that's one thing about every believer. Sooner or later, he's going to have some suffering. Nobody else may never know what's going on in a person's heart and life, in their heart and in their soul. What they may get up and go through in one day. Just suffering in their mind. Suffering in their heart. And soul suffering is the worst kind of suffering you can go through. I mean, we lose, we lose family members in that, but boy, oh boy, suffering. And our Lord says, don't be afraid of suffering. Don't be afraid of it. Huh? And then He goes on to say here now, Behold the devil. The devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. The devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. You know, when Peter was put in prison, who put him there? Thought it was the devil, but it was he's behind all the persecution of the Lord's people. Behind the Romans, behind the Roman persecutions, behind the Jews, that was persecuting was the devil himself. He's the accuser of the brethren. And he wants so much to destroy the Lord's people. He thought he had it. He thought he had this thing whipped when he had Christ crucified on the cross. He said, I believe I've got this thing under control until Christ rose from the dead. 
Well, he said he'll cast some of you into prison. No, my, Satan would be tempting these believers. But God, by these afflictions, by these trials, by these sufferings, would be proving and trying them. And that's what he says. That ye may be tried. That you may be tried. This is going to, this is going to happen, that you may be tried. That you may be tried. I'm putting you, I'm putting your, I'm putting your gold in the furnace. I'm going to put your gold in the furnace. And I'm going to try it. And when that gold's been tried, I'm going to bring you back out. And I'll tell you what. And he said, and then he says this, and you shall have tribulation. And then he gives them a certain amount of time. He says, you'll have tribulation ten days. It lasts ten days. Now why did he say ten days? That gives us a definite period of time. A definite period of time. And when that time was be full, and it shows that it's ten days, showed that it's just going to be a very brief period that this is going to happen. But it would last for ten days. Ten days. And trials are often in the Scriptures called a short season to encourage saints to endure. I want to show you two Scriptures. Matthew 24, 22. Talking about, I'll try to wind this thing up here. Matthew 24, 22. We don't know what's going to happen for this. I do know this. I do know this, that there's people that despise Religion, hate it with a passion, hate Christianity with a passion. In, in, in America, people that's in positions of power. But trials are often called for a short season, like 10 days, to encourage saints to endure. Look what our Lord said in verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation was not which such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor nor ever shall be. And listen to this, and except those days should be shortened, say ten days, except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But listen to what he says. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. <laughs> oh my let me show you the second one over here in 2 Corinthians 4 2 Corinthians 4 17 oh yeah this, I love this verse over here 2 Corinthians 4 17 2 Corinthians 4 17 look what it says it's what the Lord says about it you know he, he said though your faith be tried as gold He said, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, whatever it may be, to us it don't seem light. To us it don't seem short. To us it seems very heavy. To us it seems very dark. But in the light of eternity, in the light of what Christ did for us, in the light of how long we're going to spend in eternity, whatever happens in time, snap of a finger. That's what he said. 
for our lot of affliction, listen to this now, which is but for a moment. It works for us. It's working in us. Causing in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. <laughs> and you know how many of these how many saints went to the went and faced these things knowing that that when this is over, I'm gonna go be with Christ. Huh? Paul said when they was getting ready to kill him, the time of my departure is at hand. Time my departure's at hand. They come and got him that morning. Time my departure's at hand. <laughs> and oh, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He said, but I tell you what, he said, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. And beloved, I believe he laid his head on that block and never batted an eye. All he could think was, I'll be with Christ just in a moment. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, you know, I love to preach on those things and deal with those things. But God knows, I, if those things happen to us, how are we going to react? We won't know until it happens. And old Scott used to say this, he said, It'll be a rare, rare occasion when you'll have an opportunity to honor God through a great trial, through a great fight of afflictions. He said, not everybody gets that opportunity. But if He ever gives you that opportunity to honor Him in a great fight of afflictions that you're going through, a great tribulation, that's a great blessing to be able to honor God through what you're going through. Not ball go crawl up in a corner and ball up and get in the fetal position. Said, "Oh Lord, I just I can't believe you let me go through this." You know, it's like this pandemic. God went on a vacation, let this thing go on the way it does. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I tell you what, if we can't take sickness in this world, we certainly won't be able to face.